Luke 19 is where we're going to be this morning. Every step that he took brought him closer to the cross. But it seemed like everyone around him just could not see what was going on. This, this man, this blind man, Bartimaeus, had disrupted everything by insisting that Jesus show him mercy, and Jesus responded to him, and he gave him his sight, and that created quite a, quite a stir. If you look at the end of chapter 18 in your Bible in Luke, there's, there's a response of glorifying God. The individual who received his sight begins to follow Jesus, and he's glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, they gave praise to God. There was a, a celebration. There was this commotion that started happening. And this is taking place in the shadow of the gates of Jericho. But every step he takes brings him another step closer to his suffering, to his rejection, to his illegal trial, his conviction, if you will, and his execution, and his burial, and his resurrection. Every step he takes brings him closer. But again, the people around him, even his own disciples, they just didn't seem to see what was really happening. He enters the, the city of Jerusalem, or the city of Jericho, it says in chapter 19, verse 1. And he's passing through, he's, he's coming through the city, and if you can imagine, just a, a, large, a larger and larger crowd is growing and following him. And word, you know how word spreads, right? Everybody in Jericho knew Bartimaeus. He'd probably been there for years at the gate. You know, it, he's, he's the guy on the side of the freeway with the sign that you try to ignore when you stop at the light. You know, you know that awkward moment? What do I do? Everybody knew Bartimaeus, and word gets around that he's not blind anymore. He can see, and this, this crowd is forming. And Jesus, with his entourage, is making his way through Jerusalem or Jericho. Again, every step he takes takes him closer to the cross. And as the crowd grows and the commotion grows, there's a, there's a, and I'm not being judgmental, there's just a short little guy sitting at his desk doing the books, keeping, keeping a record of the revenue streams. Or maybe he's meeting with some of his, uh, some of his employees because he's the boss. He's the chief tax collector. The only time this phrase is used in, in the Word of God, unlike all other tax collectors like Matthew or Levi that we're introduced to, this one is called a chief tax collector. He has a team. And, he, and, he, and, and maybe he asks the guys, he's like, what is that noise? Now, in my mind, I see, um, what's the Christmas story? Christmas Carol? Scrooge? You know, Cratchit, and he's sitting there in his desk. What is that confounded noise? Is there a parade today that I didn't know about? What is going on? And, and somebody tells him, there's this guy named Jesus has come into the city, and he healed Bartimaeus. He enters Jericho. Jesus enters Jericho, and he's passing through, and there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. 
He was trying to see who Jesus was. He was trying to find out more of what he had heard. And there's a crowd, and he's having a hard time getting to him. He's trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able because of the crowd. And the crowd was a problem because he is he's short. I, I, I love the Word of God. I love the reality. I love the humanity of the Word of God. He was a short man. So running ahead, can you picture that? Chief tax collector, a rich man, known in the community for that, and he's running. He's running behind the crowd. He's trying to get ahead of the crowd. He, he gets ahead of the crowd, ahead of where he thinks the procession is moving, and he finds a tree. He climbs up in a sycamore tree because he wants to see Jesus. And he believes he's going to pass that way. So when Jesus comes to the place, the, the entourage comes as he's making his way through Jericho. He comes to this place and he stops and he looks up and he says, look, there's a short man up in that tree. <laughs> That's what he was thinking or maybe what we're thinking or the crowd was thinking. He obviously doesn't say that. He looks up into the tree and he says to this short tax collector in the tree, he says, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. There's no time to lose. Come down because today I must stay at your house. He literally is saying, I must come have a meal with you. I need to come into your home. And so Zacchaeus quickly comes down and he welcomes Jesus joyfully. We could pause here for a, 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 maybe a significant amount of time and just try to reflect on how significant this is for Zacchaeus. This is not the normal interaction that he has with people. Right? When you get that letter in the email, in the, in the, letter in the email, that makes a lot of sense. When you get that letter in the mail, I don't know if you get those anymore, but I believe the IRS still doesn't call, it sends a letter. And you know what that letter looks like, right? And you get that letter, and you right away you go, oh, good news. They're, they, they're, they've, they've found some money of mine, and they're going to give me some... Right, exactly. If you saw Zacchaeus coming, oh, great. Did I not pay my... Oh, let, come on, let's go. And yet this young rabbi from Nazareth, Jesus, stops everything and looks up into the tree and says... You need to hurry up and come down because I need to come to your house today. I'm going to have a meal with you. And Zacchaeus responds joyfully. He comes down and, and, he, and he starts moving to his house. And it says that everyone or all who were there, all who saw this moment, they began to complain. The same crowd that was rejoicing back in chapter 18 that he had given sight to this blind man have a very different response to Jesus' interaction with Zacchaeus. They begin to complain. He's gone to lodge. He's gone to stay. He's going to have, a, have lunch with a sinful man. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor, Lord. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. Now hear what Jesus says in that moment. He says, today salvation has come to this house. And he's saying it to Zacchaeus. 
Because he, now he's saying to the crowd, he too is a true son, a son of Abraham. He is a true Jew. He is a man of faith. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. What's happened here before your eyes let me, let me interpret it for you. Let me, let me declare in the most clear way that I believe we find in the, in, the, in the Gospels, Jesus declaring what's happening. Let me take this moment to be very clear. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. As they're listening to this, as the crowd is hearing Jesus make this statement, he went on to tell a parable. Why did he tell a parable in this moment? Because he was near Jerusalem. Why is that significant? Because they're expecting something big to happen when he gets to Jerusalem. He's making his way to Jerusalem. That's the, that's the seat of power. That's, the, that's where the Roman power is. That's where the, the temple is. That's where the religious focuses and the power and this is where he's going to show us just exactly what the kingdom looks like he's been talking about this kingdom it's going to happen so every step that he takes brings him a step closer to the cross every step the crowd takes the disciples take they're thinking it's coming it's coming it's coming i'm telling you rome is done rome is done finally These burdens that we've been been carrying by our our teachers, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Zealots, the Sanhedrin, all this weight that we've been carrying. This young rabbi has been teaching a very different message, a message of, of freedom. He teaches with authority. I think this is our guy. I think this is the he's gonna bring the kingdom. He keeps talking about the kingdom, and we're almost there. We're almost to Jerusalem. Notice what he says. They're listening to this. They're getting excited, I believe. He goes on to tell a parable because he's near to Jerusalem and they thought the kingdom of God was going to appear right away. See, Every step he takes brings him closer to the cross. Every step the crowd takes, every step the disciples... He's been telling them, the disciples, right? He's been making it clear, but it's, it's not, they're not seeing it. And now everybody's getting excited because it's going to happen. We're going we're to come to Jerusalem, and you just wait. You watch to see what happens. I wonder, I wonder if we see the kingdom of God like Jesus does. I wonder if we see the kingdom of God the way Jesus does. The people around him, the people of his day, saw the kingdom of God as freedom from an oppressive government. They saw the kingdom of God as, as, as vindication, as restitution. Things were going to change. Life was going to get good. Finally, we're going to be the people of God. I wonder if we see the kingdom of God the way that Jesus does. See, Jesus sees the kingdom of God as a mission 
to save, to seek, and to save the lost. Do you see it in your Bible? Don't take my word for it. I don't think there's a clear declaration of the kingdom of God. The Son of Man has come. The reason I am here, the reason I'm walking to Jerusalem, the reason that I must suffer and die and be buried and rose from the dead and return to the right hand of the Father is so that you can go and make disciples. Because the kingdom of God is about the lost being found. Or let's say it this way. The kingdom of God is about coming home. It's about coming home. We, we, I think we get this. Home is not an address. Sometimes we slip into that thinking, right? This building, this place, even here, this, this is home. Home is really where the people are that we love and care about. That's home. And home can be any geographical place, but it's the family. It's the family. And Jesus sees the, the kingdom of God as a family, a family that is being built, that is being formed, even in our, right in our very midst, even today. The family of God that is being formed, one lost sinner at a time coming home. We, we, that song, Stephen, where are you? Is he in here? He's in the restroom, I'm sure. He's always working. He's always working. I love that. He's always, I can't always see it. I don't always see the kingdom of God the way that Jesus does. But the truth is, he's always working. Well, what is he doing? Well, he's, he's, he's restoring our, our culture, our society back to what he wants it to be. Well, what is he doing? Well, he's, he's going to remove selfish, self-serving leaders that we see on just about every level of our society, and he's going to replace them with leaders that are more in alignment with him. He does do that. I wonder if we see the kingdom of God the way Jesus does. As he's walking through Jericho and these events unfold, he says, do you know why I'm here? Yeah, you're going to throw the chains of Rome off of our net. You're going you're to finally deal with these Pharisees and these religious leaders. That You're going to deal with the economy. We're gonna, you're going to set us free from these outrageous taxes that we have to pay and these rules that we have to follow. This is ridiculous how we have to meet all these expectations. You're going to... Jesus says, no. Those things will happen here and there in, in history and with people, but... Here's what the kingdom of God is. I'm here to seek out and save the lost. I'm going to bring the kingdom of God to, to earth. I want to show you what the kingdom of God is. And I'm going to make it really, really clear. I know you guys don't get it. I keep telling you and you keep not, not getting it. But I want you to really have clarity in what the kingdom of, of heaven is about. And so in a very short amount of time, you're going you're gonna to see me, some from a distance, but you're going to see me being executed, being nailed to a cross. Why in the world would the king allow himself to be nailed to the cross? Why would he allow him to be treated the way that he is about to be treated and allow the people that he created to execute him and, and put him in the ground? Well, because that's not the end. And he's going to conquer death. 
but I want you to know what the kingdom of God is about. I'm here to save, to seek and to save the lost. And this is what it takes to save the lost. This is what it takes to bring people home. I wonder if we see the kingdom of God the way Jesus does today. I wonder if we see ourselves the way Jesus sees us. This crowd in Jericho was very quick. Well, let's, let's, let's go back to last week. They were really quick to tell that guy to be quiet. You're a beggar, you're blind, you have no value in this society. Be quiet. You're an embarrassment. Isn't it interesting how the crowd stood in front of him? This rock star young rabbi from Nazareth is coming in, and man, we're going to show him a welcome, and the last thing we want is for him to see this. So just be quiet. Jesus reveals how he sees this man, and then they make their way into the, the city, and he does it again. This, this group of people are really quick to say, that guy's a sinner. Do you understand who that is, Jesus? Do you understand what he does? Do you understand the pain that he inflicts on us? Do you understand how corrupt he is? Do you understand that he's rich and we're poor? I wonder if we see ourselves the way Jesus does. They saw themselves as better than Zacchaeus, did they not? Did they not? Jesus' heartache in his ministry of bringing the kingdom of God to man is, is the pride and the hardness of hearts. I've came to heal the sick. And in that statement, he's not saying that they're not sick and you are. He's saying, I'm here to heal those who acknowledge that they're sick. I'm a guy, if you didn't know that. And that means what about me and doctors? You guys are so judgmental, but, but you're right. I'm fine. I don't need a doctor. When my, uh, I had a, th a funny thing called Meckel's diverticulitis, which just means part of your intestine ruptures. It's something my mom did when I was in the womb. And typically, they catch it in the infant and they fix it. Well, I was 40-something and it, it ruptured and Stuff started, I'll just leave it, stuff was pouring out. And Becky found me about 1.32 in the morning, curled up in a ball. I think it was 3 a.m. And I'm curled up in a ball down on the floor. And, and in her love and compassion, she says, do you want to go to the doctor now? <laughs> and I said, yes. And I crawled in the back seat, and she took me to the, to the doctor. See, I was, I was just stubborn. I can, I can it's, it's gas, you know, it's just, you know, right? Guys, ah, you know, I, I'm, I'll be fine. I'll make it through this. And I would not avail myself to help. And when Jesus says, I've come to seek and to save the lost, I've come to find those that recognize to a, that they're lost or that they're sick, that they need a physician. And he sees us with love and with mercy. The blind man says, show me mercy. And Jesus says, great. Well, first he says, what do you want? And he goes, well, I want to see. And he goes, okay, you can see. Here's mercy. Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to come to your house. There had to be a moment in Zacchaeus' mind before he gets excited and realizes what's happening is, really? Nobody does that. Nobody wants to eat at my house. 
I wonder if we, those of us that have experienced redemption, we've experienced God's work in our life, if we really see ourselves the way that Jesus does. And how I know this, that we struggle with this, is when we see ourselves as better than other people. I'm home. I'm saved. I'm rescued. I'm secure in His, hand, in his, in his love. We sing of it. We read of it. And that's true. But when I begin to see myself as better than other people, when I become one of those people in the crowd that, that see Jesus talking to this tax collector, and I think somehow I'm better than them, I forget that I was lost. Do you ever forget that? Do you ever get to a place where we look at other people and we see ourselves better than them and we forget that I was lost? I do. I'm not sure we can rejoice fully in our rescue if we lose sight of our lostness. I'm not lost anymore. I'm home. There's no, there's no doubt in my mind. But I'm not sure I can rejoice in my rescue in being saved, being found and saved, when I lose sight of what Jesus saved me from, my lostness. I had, I had an experience this week. My daughter, our daughter and her husband moved up to Oregon. And on Thursday, several of us loaded up trucks and trailers and we drove up. Well, it took about 11 hours and we go up five and then we go to Weed. You know there's a town in California called Weed. Uh, some of you have been there. Uh-huh. And then you go about four hours on 74 outside of Bend to a little place called uh, Redmond. And we get there, we get all unloaded, and the fires, coming through, we almost didn't make it. There were literally fires on the side of the road. We make it through, we get them up. They're not in danger where they're at. It's just smoky, and we get them settled, and I wake up in the morning. I'm going to leave about 6 o'clock, and I decide, I wake up at 5.15, and I can't go back to sleep. And so, I, you know what, I'm just going to go. So I get dressed, and I get in my truck and trailer and take off, and it's pitch black. And I, I mean, I can't even see 50 feet in front of me. It's just eerie. It's this weird, weird feeling. Get on the highway, stop and get gas, ask for, you know, any kind of insight. My GPS keeps telling me everything's closed, you know. The signs on the road says fire activity ahead, expect delays. Every time I come to another highway that might take me eventually over to five, it's all blocked off with, with you know, security. I got my GPS on my phone, and it's telling me what it's telling me. And I find myself between two big rigs on this highway, and it's dark and it's smoky, and I, I think I, I, I have the closest that I think I've had to a panic attack. There's fires on the side of the road. They're setting up temporary stoplights. They're getting ready to close the highway is what it looks like. And I'm, I'm, as long as those truckers keep going, I'm just going to stay with them. We're just going to keep going. And in the middle of, of this, what's normally beautiful mountains in, in Oregon, I'm on a road. There's signs. I've got somebody with me, these trucks. I've got the GPS telling me I'm going the right way. But I feel lost. I feel lost. I feel really insecure. And, and normally, I'm a, I'm a directions guy, you know. Do not look at the sun, you know. I don't need no stinking directions. I know where I'm at. And if I can make it to five, I know, I know how to get home. 
But I felt lost. There was just these 10, 15 minutes that I, I thought, am I going to get home? I'm not sure how to get home. I got home, obviously, didn't I? That was good for me. I was thinking about us. I was thinking about us. I was thinking about this text. And I wonder if we see ourselves the way Jesus does, that Jesus looks at us and sees this lost, sinful man that because of his grace and mercy, he sought me out and he found me and he rescued me. And he brought me home. He brought me home into his arms. You'll know that we, we will know we don't see ourselves the way Jesus does when we see ourselves as better than others. See, my little, my little epiphany on the highway is I'm not as in control as I think that I am. You know, my truck's running. I got money in the bank to put gas in it. I can stop and buy crummy food, you know, chicharrones, my snack food on the road trip, and drink soda, and nobody will get after me. And I got GPS. I got these truckers. I'm good. I wonder if we kind of see ourselves like that sometimes, and we forget that we are good because Jesus has brought us home. We're not here because somehow we've got our act all together, that somehow we're better than other people, that somehow, of course, God saved me. I wonder if we see ourselves the way that Jesus sees us. I wonder if we see, our, if we see other people the way Jesus does. This man, Zacchaeus, is a government official. <laughs> Ooh. He is. He has authority given to him by Rome. Rome says, here's the district that you oversee. Here's the amount of revenue you need to turn in quarterly, whatever. And anything beyond that, you get to keep for yourself. And what does Luke tell us? Luke tell us, tells us that he is rich. He's able to give away half of his goods to the poor and restore four times what he took from everybody. He's got some deep pockets. I know how I would look at him if I was in that neighborhood. If we're being honest, I think I would look at him the way that I look at some of my leaders today. And like the people of Zacchaeus' time, they only saw what he did. They saw how he negatively impacted them. And they hated him. They put a label on him. He said, well, it, but it was, it was accurate. He was a corrupt leader, right? He was, he was selfish. He, he, was, he was extorting the system for his own benefit. He was living off of the, of the pain of others. That's all true, right? Isn't it? It is. But what does Jesus see when he sees this little man up in a tree? He sees a lost man that needs to come home. He sees someone that needs to come home. 
I wonder if we see the people in our life right now the way Jesus does. I get angry. I get frustrated. I yell at the TV. I've started yelling at the radio, just to be full disclosure. And if I'm honest, I find myself in the midst of this crowd trying to protect Jesus from this tax collector up in the tree. And I'm a part of the crowd that's angry because Jesus is having lunch with a sinner. The kingdom of God is about seeking and saving the lost. It's not what necessarily I want it to be right now. I want the kingdom of God to be about vindication. Because I know the truth. And I want the kingdom of God to be about restoring what I want my life to be. And what I want my life to be for my children. And what I want my life to be for my grandchildren. And what I want life to be for this body. This family. And God has been very good to us. Can we acknowledge that? I know we're in the midst of incredibly a dark time and the storm is raging. I got to spend about 20-something hours on the highway Thursday and Friday and I, all I saw was the, the state of California and the, the state of Oregon burning down. It's crazy. But I wonder, do we still see the goodness of God? Do we still see the presence of God? Can we wrap our, our, our hearts around the kingdom of God? Because Jesus says, I came to seek and to save the lost. Now, if you read on the rest of the text that we have for us this morning, he, he basically tells this parable because they're, they're, they're expecting the kingdom to, to, to come, and he's saying, no, I'm going to go away. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give you resources, and I want you to use those resources to do what? Seek and save the lost. And then I'm going to come back. Isn't that good news? I'm going to come back. I'm not leaving you forever, but I'm telling you, the kingdom of God is going to be a season where you are now going to be the light. You are now going to be salt. You're now going to be disciple makers. I'm going to be with you, but I want you to go and engage and empower and equip and encourage because the kingdom of God is not about restoring what you want your life to be. The kingdom of God is about the lost coming home. And if that's going to happen, we need to see the kingdom in the way that Jesus does. And I need to see myself the way that Jesus does. And I need to see people, other people, people I love and people not so much, the way that Jesus does. There's Zacchaeus's in your life. Right? They're in mine too. And there's Bartimaeus's in your life and in my life as well. The question is, do I see the kingdom of God clearly? Do I see myself clearly? Do I see the people in my life clearly? I believe this is, in a, in a significant way, 
why we, we come to the Lord's table. And we're going we're gonna to do that now. I want to invite the worship team to come. Because this is how I can be reoriented to see the kingdom of God. How I can be reoriented to see myself and to see the people in my life the way that Jesus does. You see, at the heart of the kingdom of God is Jesus sacrificing his life because the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. And without the shedding of blood, there is no covering of sin for sin. Do we get that? How does Jesus see you? He sees you as the recipient of His grace. In fact, the Word of God tells us that when He was being crucified, for the joy that was set before Him. Who was the joy? Who? Isn't that crazy? In the midst of the, the most unbelievable physical and, and, and spiritual suffering and weight, He's not focused on the pain. He's not focused on His death. He's focused on who? Say it personally. I heard it. Say it again. He's focused on me. That's how Jesus sees you. And how does He see the people around me? Well, we come back to the Lord's table again. And I didn't grab elements, so you're going to do it without me, okay? Or somebody grabs one and throws one up here. Do you have, one? Do you have two? You do? Wow. She plans ahead. <laughs> or she just knows me. That night, Jesus gathered with his disciples. We're, we're just about there in Luke, where they're going to share that Passover meal in the upper room. And Jesus wants to take the celebration of Passover and God's provision in setting his people free. And he wants the elements, the bread and the juice, to point his disciples to him. struggle with this almost from the beginning I was reflecting on 1 Corinthians 11 and Paul has to correct the church in, in Corinth because let me just say it this way they did not see the kingdom of God the way that Jesus does and they did not see themselves the way Jesus does and they did not see one another the way Jesus does do you remember? They're coming whenever, they're eating food, some are getting drunk, some had lots of food, some had none, and Paul says, hold, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. He literally says, you guys really aren't even doing communion anymore. What you're doing, the motions you're going through is not really the Lord's table because you don't see clearly the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is to seek and to save the lost. We need to remember that before Jesus, we were lost. And everyone in our life, everyone in our world that has not come to faith in Jesus Christ are lost. And they've not come home. And Jesus says, 
I want you to remember this. And so Paul tells the church in Corinth, he says, let me remind you what happened on that night in the upper room when they were celebrating Passover. He, he Jesus, took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. If you're here this morning, if you're online and you're participating from home, and you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, he says you need to remember. You need to remember what the kingdom of God is about. It's about the lost being found, the lost being brought home, and you need to remember the cost it took to bring you home. So he says, take, this is my body which is broken for you. Eat and do it in remembrance of me. Paul goes on to remind that church in Corinth in the same way he took the cup. It was a part of that Passover meal and again, Jesus wants us to remember that the kingdom of God is about the lost being found. And the way that we're found, the way that we're brought home is through his shed blood. His blood that he freely poured out, he freely allowed to be taken from his body so that we might come home that we might be forgiven we might be cleansed we might be set free and come home if you're sitting here this morning you put your faith in Jesus you're home you're in his family you're a child of the king don't forget that. Don't forget that you were lost and now we're found. You take the cup and you drink it and you remember that Jesus loves you enough to give his life so that you can be home. Take, drink. as we go from this place in a few moments and we this feels like a refuge anybody else feels like a refuge to me but as we go from this refuge and we face the darkness of the night that we're in as we navigate the, the storm that we're in I wonder out loud and we see the kingdom of God the way Jesus does I wonder as we go from this place and you interact with the people in your life can we see ourselves the way that Jesus does and I wonder as we go to work and we go well, I don't know if we're going to school but Zoom and we, we go about the, the, the interaction of life as restricted as it is. I wonder if we see the people in our life, people on the TV, people in our neighborhood, 
people on the other side of the aisle, I wonder if we can see them the way that Jesus does. Because if we can, if we do, if we will, we become a part of what God is doing to build His kingdom. We become a part of seeking and saving the lost. He's done the saving. We just go. But we cannot forget that we were one time lost and He's brought us home. Join me if you would, please, in prayer. We're going to be dismissed this morning. I want to remind you to be sensitive to our beloved family, the boys that are here this morning. You don't have to, you don't have, to have the right words. There are no right words. Is it okay if they hug? Are we hugging? Okay. Let's, let's love them support them make sure they know that they're home Father thank you for this refuge thank you for the break from the air the quality the, the all that's going on the political the economic the health all the craziness that is going around but Thank you for the refuge, but God, as we leave this place and we go back out, you have, you have entrusted us, Jesus, with the mission that you started. You came to seek and to save the lost, and then you did the work, you completed the work, and you returned to the right hand of our Father, your Father, and you've handed off to us this mission of partnering with your Spirit to see the kingdom of God built. God, help us to see clearly. Please, Holy Spirit, help us to see clearly. Help us to remove whatever needs to be removed from our hearts so that there is room in our hearts for the lost. Room in our hearts to walk with people from lostness to home. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence. And thank you, good, good Father, for having plans that are good, that our future is secure because of your heart towards us. We give you praise. We want to give you glory. And we want to go from this place rejoicing, in your faithfulness, in your goodness, and in your love. We ask it in the name of our, our King and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.